Blue Wire. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the fourth episode of That's What B Said, a Cleveland sports podcast brought to you by Untuck It. We really appreciate all the likes and shares and reviews from the past few weeks, so don't be afraid to keep them coming. We love you guys, and we can't thank you enough. I'm Brittany Mollis at Bird's Eye View, and I'm joined tonight by the super talented Meredith Kane at MK on Sports. Say hi, Meredith. Hello. <laughs> hi. Our beautiful Brie is traveling this week, so she's not able to join us. But if you're willing to deal with me and Meredith for the next 40 minutes or so, <laughs> we would love to have you. I hope so. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, a lot to talk about. We're oh going to talk some, some Browns, some Cavs. Some fantasy football, which I know nothing about, but I have some funny stories about that. Um, do you play fantasy football, by the way? Uh, I used to. I wasn't invited to a league this year, but um, I know I don't have any friends, so no one wanted me. <laughs> They're fantasy football. I'm your friend. I know. Yes. So maybe maybe next year. But yeah, I um, I've done I've done fantasy hockey. I've done fantasy NFL, and I've done and this is super nerdy. But I've also done fantasy college football in the past. Like I do love fantasy quite a bit, but um, I did not find my way into a league this year. Oh my gosh! Well, I'm sorry. I didn't know there was fantasy college football. Um, there's fantasy everything. Like Whoa. I'm sure at some point you could probably get like fantasy Premier League or like fantasy esports. I don't know. I just I think that if there is a sport in any way, shape, or form, you can do a fantasy league for it. That's amazing. Also, I'd be terrible at everything, but I'll tell you why later. We'll <laughs> okay. we'll get into that. Um, I'm also going to talk about my my super weird dream about Jimmy Butler, which oh I didn't God. even tell you about. No, but you like, haven't told me about this yet. No, and I woke up the other morning. I was very upset by this dream to the point where I was just laying there. I'm like, you know what? I think it's time for me to get a life, like a real one, because I can't, I can't get upset about stuff like this. This isn't real life anymore. Are you mad at Jimmy Butler because of something he did in your, in your dream? Yeah, I was like, I woke up and I was legitimately upset about this. And and then, you know, some, when you wake up, it takes you a while to like realize where you are and who you are. And I was like, okay, never mind. I, Jimmy Butler's <laughs> and then I looked him up on Instagram just to make sure that what I thought oh happened didn't happen. It was a whole thing. I cannot wait for this story. I know. I'm such, I'm such a weirdo. Um, so yeah. So, you know, as you guys know, well, some of you, we had an emergency episode last week to touch on the Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph fiasco. Uh, and the, when we did it, the reactions were still pretty fresh. Uh, we were all in a raw place with the whole situation, but it seems that the tides have turned a little bit. So we're going to start off the show talking about this, even though Meredith is very tired of this subject. Oh my God. It's like the story that won't die. And like, I understand there's a lot going on with it. Uh, we've got uh, Marquise Pouncey uh, appealed his suspension. Larry mm-hmm. Ogunjobi appealed his suspension. And we are recording this on a Tuesday night. And Miles Garrett will be uh, appealing his suspension tomorrow morning, Wednesday. So if you're listening to this on Wednesday, we don't know the reaction yet. Even if you're listening on Thursday or Friday, uh, at the time of recording this podcast, we do not know the results of Miles Garrett's uh, suspension appeal. But, yes. you know, it, it's news and it's it's stuff that we have to talk about, but it's just so exhausting it because it just feels like 
it feels like we're just talking about the same things over and over again. And people are using like the same straw man arguments over and over again. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I just want this to be resolved, you know, so we can move on and talk about some actual football. Me too. But like one of the things, it's not so much the Miles Garrett thing, but one of the things I want to talk about tonight, because it seems that there has been a shift um, in the fans reaction. So, you know, when it originally happened, you know, that Thursday night, everyone felt really down, even though we won, which, you know, I tweeted the next day. And I was like, it's funny how we were talking about winning fixes everything. And then like the Browns are like, well, hold my helmet. And then we go through all this and it's just, it's a mess. And nobody felt good Thursday. Nobody felt that great Friday, but I think as the days have gone on, we've sort of gone from, okay, that was really bad to, well, you know, maybe it's not as bad as everyone had originally thought. And granted, I tweeted that morning and I said, this was Friday morning. And I was like, I understand that, you know, what he did. There's no excuse. It's indefensible. You can't hit someone with a helmet. But the reactions for it, you know, you had the announcers on there saying, I'm, I'm so sorry for anyone that has to see this. And this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And, you know, you had Adam Schefter post that thing about how he saw someone in the tunnel and they said, oh, they just need to ban it. It was all very dramatic to me. And, you know, I'm biased, obviously. I love Miles Garrett. Um, so I don't know if that's just, it started out just being me saying, okay, like, I think we're being dramatic here. And then it seems that more people are feeling that way now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it definitely does feel to be insanely uh, dramatic. The indefinite suspension, I think, was a little over the top. I think initially I was like, yes, he deserved something harsh. But at the same time, I'm maybe rethinking that opinion and saying, okay, well, he definitely deserved suspensions and fines, but maybe just a suspension for the rest of the year. Or there's like, there's no reason why the NFL couldn't have said, okay, you're suspended for say 16 games. So like a full season. Mm -hmm. So the rest of this year, possible playoffs, and then into next year as well. I think that the indefinite suspension, it's, it's effectively saying you are no longer a member of the national football league, which is, it is, it, it is very, very harsh. And I think one of the reasons why a lot of us are backing off, um, both fans and media in terms of how over the top we are with our reactions is because of a lot of the stuff that has kind of come out about Mason Rudolph, just in terms of the film and showing him, you know, we already knew that he was twisting off Miles's helmet after he got sacked. Then there was a still photo of him kicking Miles in the crotch. And then on Mm -hmm. Sunday, I believe it came down that he was getting, a $35,000 fine and no suspensions. And everyone's like, wait a minute, hold up, hold up, hold up. If Larry Ogunjobi is getting a game, if Marquise Pouncey is getting a game, why Mm -hmm. is Mason Rudolph not getting a game? So I was a little annoyed that his punishment was so, I don't know. It just didn't feel satisfactory because I feel like, I mean, twisting the helmet, I guess, kicking in the crotch, probably. I mean, I don't want to say that's less egregious because I still feel like that's pretty egregious offenses. But, mm-hmm. you know, what Miles did was I, I it was just that was way over the top and that was just way too much. And it the optics of what Miles did is so much worse. So it makes sense that his suspension is worse. But I'm also just like there's no reason why Mason Rudolph couldn't have at least gotten a game because he instigated the whole thing. Right. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if it weren't for, you know, Miles sacked him and like, that's Miles's job. Like that, that's what he's supposed to be doing. It seemed like he just threw a tantrum. He got very mad that that was however many sacks he had in that game. I think what we were up to like four, four? or five. Yeah. Four yeah. or five. So, like something really bad. So yeah. So what you had was a temper tantrum and it, it resulted in a very ugly ending and something that I think is going to unfairly haunt Miles Garrett for probably the rest of his career. Um, I don't yeah, think he was, on pace, he was on pace to be a hall of famer. Right. Up until that point. And now I think because of that one action, I don't, it doesn't matter what happens for the rest of his career. If his uh, suspension gets appealed and he gets to come back in 2020 and then he come, he becomes like an Aaron Donald like player Mm -hmm. in 2020 and beyond. I don't think that he's ever going to make the hall of fame because of that, because it is kind of like this black mark on his career. And it's just, it's so heartbreaking for him because the miles that we know doesn't, you know, he doesn't do that. And actually just today, one of my friends was tweeting, or I believe it was yesterday. Uh, one of my friends was tweeting because they were, he and his fiance were going to Chipotle or something like that. And they saw Miles Garrett, like in the street talking to a homeless person. And mm-hmm. I saw that, you know, just, yeah. And then just having a conversation and, you know, it, it, he wasn't trying to blow the guy off. He was just legitimately sitting down and giving the guy the time mm-hmm to talk about him. So it's just like, that's the miles that we know. Right. So uh, he is flying out to New York. He flew out earlier today and he's going to meet with the committee in person, which I think is the best thing that he can do. Absolutely. You know, to kind of show them like to their face, like, Hey, I am here. Uh, I'm going to show contrition because he really was sorry. You know, he was upset mm-hmm. after the game. You could tell in his post game press conferences, the way he talked, how upset and how sorry he was. And then you have Mason Rudolph. Oh, yeah. Bushy. Cowardly. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, it's, it was hard for me to, to imagine that I could dislike a quarterback as much as I dislike Ben Roethlisberger. And I'm not there yet, but it's, it's coming there. Like this whole, these past five days have really, they've changed me as a person. <laughs> We are such different women now than we were five days ago. Even since the emergency episode, like, oof. Oh my God, yeah. We are now, it seemed like the the Cleveland Browns for so long had this identity of being, you know, the lovable losers. And then we got all this talent in and all of these, um, you know, personalities and we were we thought America's new team, let's go, let's roll guys. It sort of blew up in our face and we sort of lost our identity again. Um, and now it seems like we're becoming bullies, which and I, I said today, I was like, I'm more than happy to, to take that role. As far as I'm concerned, that's an upgrade from what we have been for the past, you know, 20, 30 years, whatever. So I'm, I'm good with it. I'm good. <laughs> so that actually reminds let's, let's me. Get, let's be bullies. <laughs> well, that reminds me of some comments that Michael Irvin said earlier today. Uh, he was on the radio here in Cleveland and they, and he was talking about the idea of going from zero to 100, from going from bad to good, good to great. And mm-hmm. he, the way he described the Browns was that they were so for so long, you know, since 1999, this team has always 
been in the hunt in terms of they're looking, they're hunting, they're trying to find their way, they're trying to break out. And then all of a sudden in this off season, we get globs of talent, just nothing but talent. And then suddenly the Browns are no longer the hunting team, but they are hunted. Every team mm-hmm. is looking at the Browns and saying, okay, that's the standard that we have to match. That Those are the people that we have to beat. Like the Browns are now suddenly you know, the target of everyone. And so you could see that in the very first game with uh, Tennessee, where they came in guns blaring or guns Mm -hmm. firing, whatever the, (laughs) whatever the phrase is, but like they came in firing on all cylinders because they were looking at this roster and seeing Baker Mayfield and OBJ and Jarvis Landry and Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon and everyone they had and everyone that the Browns had. And they're saying, okay, this is what we got to do. And I, and what Michael Irvin said about the Browns is that they did not know how to adjust from mm-hmm. being the hunting to being the hunted. And I think that's kind of where a lot of these problems are coming from is that I don't think it was the hype that got too much into the Browns. And I guess maybe you can say it was a, a little bit in terms of every other team in the league paying attention to them and what they're doing. But it really does feel like the Browns kind of got swept up into this reputation because in the off season, people were legitimately thinking Super Bowl. People were legitimately thinking, you know, 12, 13 wins at minimum. And I think that it's may not necessarily have been the hype from the fans and the media that were getting into the Browns heads, but I think it was just the other teams getting into the Browns heads because I don't think the Browns were ready for week one because they did not look ready against Tennessee. Whereas Tennessee, I think, had been preparing for Cleveland Mm -hmm. their entire training camp. So those were just kind of some interesting tidbits that I heard from Michael Irvin earlier today. And I, I could not have said it better myself. I think that's probably some of the best insight that I have heard on this team and why it has been such a struggle this season for the Browns to live up to their expectations. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. And like, you know, when we talk about, now we're kind of embracing being the bullies, which I don't, I don't think that's necessarily fair. Like I, there's not, if you look at the roster, maybe they're not as likable as we thought that they were at the beginning of the year, but like <laughs> to call, just blatantly call them bullies. I don't think that's, that's cool. Right. Like, you know, you have these, these brash personalities and, you know, these guys who, you know, like OBJ and Baker and stuff. Um, I guess if you're not a Browns fan, they might not be the most likable guys. But like bullies, my problem with this whole situation is not the bully part, but the fact that the Steelers are so hell-bent on being looked at as the victims of something. Um, on one of the shows today, I think it was it was 92.3, uh, they said Aditi called in. And she mentioned that she got Yay. a text message. Yeah, my favorite, my my girl crush. I love her so much. <laughs> um, she said she got a text message that from a Steelers, I think it was offensive lineman, who said that the Browns were out to bully them. Uh, you know, the Mac Wilson incident where he tweeted that picture, which was fine because him and Juju were friends and Juju laughed about it. But, you know, whatever. He did it and people were upset about it. Um, and then Mike Tomlin, who I was just praising like last week. Remember that? I was like, oh, I love him. He's so I such a respectable yes. guy. Oh, I'm such a Tomlin oh fan. Oh my god. I, I know. Forgot. <laughs> I forgot it. That was a leak like two episodes ago, and I already forgot. That was forgot. the kiss of death. I should have known better. But you know, he gets on there today and there he's at the presser and he he was asked about 
what he could have done differently or what they learned from this experience. And he basically said uh, they didn't do anything wrong. So there's nothing to learn from on the Steelers end. And everyone read that and we're like, come on, man. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers have a history of doing this to people. When I first read those comments, the first thing that happened was my jaw hit the floor and I stood there dumbfounded Mm -hmm. for a second. And then I rolled my eyes so hard they fell out of the back of my head. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for real though, for real. (laughs) I was like, oh man. And I'm so sad that you don't watch How I Met Your Mother because I tried to make this analogy to you earlier and you didn't you know, you didn't get the reference, but there was an episode of How I Met Your Mother where Ted has a job interview in Chicago and he misses his flight. And then he blames Robin and Robin says, no, it's not my fault. No, it's Lily's fault. And they go through all the characters and the entire episode is retracing the steps of everything that happened leading up to Ted missing his flight. And they kind of got, and it took like eight months of going back and figuring out exactly what caused it. Mm. And that's how I kind of feel about (laughs) the last eight seconds of that stupid football game on Thursday where it's like, okay, well, Larry Ogunjobi gets uh, gets suspended for fighting. Marquise Pouncey gets suspended for punching and kicking. Well, why was Marquise Pouncey punching and kicking? Well, it's because Miles Garrett <laughs> tore off Mason Rudolph's helmet and hit him with it. Well, why was he tearing off the helmet? Because Mason Rudolph yeah. tried to twist his helmet off and then kicked him in the crotch. Well, why did Mason Rudolph do that? Because Miles sacked him. Well, why did Miles sack him? Because... Mason Rudolph was running a play with eight seconds left. Well, why was he doing that? And it's because Mike Tomlin called a play when they were down two yes. touchdowns. It all, it literally, it all goes back to Mike Tomlin doing that. Yes. Why You were down by two touchdowns and you decided you were going to call that play. For what? Did you want to get him killed? Because that's the only logical explanation I have. You're not going to score two touchdowns in eight seconds. What are you thinking? You know, you might be onto something, Brittany, because I'm sure Tomlin was looking at Mason Rudolph during that game and saying oh crap <laughs> like this is who our backup is i mean you might be right come in boy who is our third string i don't even know who their quarterback yeah, is. i don't know mike tomlin i always feel like the, the third string for pittsburgh is like forever charlie batch do you remember oh, him barely barely <laughs> i don't know why he sticks out so much for me. but i'm always like oh just bring charlie back know, maybe maybe Mike Tomlin was like well let's send some scouts to atlanta we'll check out colin kaepernick there we'll you go get, we'll get mason rudolph killed and then next thing you know we've got colin kaepernick as our backup to big ben like i don't know maybe that was his thought process but like his comments in that press conference today just angered me so much because it was just like oh, yeah. you know you know like mike tomlin is not a dumb man he is not mm-hmm. a stupid person. He knew exactly yes. what happened and he knew exactly what he did. So for him to get into that press conference and take zero accountability for it is absolutely infuriating. No, I agree with you 100%. Um, but one thing that I want to talk about, because I was asked this question when it all happened and someone said, how would you f- have felt if Baker when were in Rudolph's shoes? What if it were... Or, you know, what if it were Ben Roethlisberger instead of Mason Rudolph, which I would have been totally fine. Like if this happened and, you know, Miles hit hit Ben in the head with the helmet, I'd be like, yeah, let's <laughs> do this. This is how the season's going. And I'm here for it. Right. Somebody said that if that would have happened, they probably would have built him a statue. They would have tore down the Jim Brown one and been like, nope, Miles, you're going up. And I would have been all in support oh. of that. Oh, my God. But- Miles Garrett would have gone up on the shirt. He would have uh, been. He would have been on the Sherwin Williams building where LeBron James used to be. 
I would have been totally fine with that. And, and like that still shot of him hitting Ben Roethlisberger. Oh my gosh. Like that's, that's the stuff that dreams are made of, but no, but I somebody know. said, if it were Baker, how would you have felt? And my, I'll admit that I'm kind of a hypocrite here. I would have been, I would have gone off. Like I know me and I would have lost it. Um, but I was talking to my friend today and she made a very good point when we were talking about this exact situation. She said the media would have, probably handled it a lot differently if it were Baker. How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard to say um, because I like to think that I would have been level-headed about it if Mm -hmm. it was um, someone on the Steelers whacking Baker Mayfield over the head and had it been like the exact same sequence of events uh, with Baker getting sacked, getting angry and instigating something, I, I would I'd like to think that I would be as critical of Baker Mayfield, but it's also very hard to to say uh, how I would feel in that moment, because something that you said uh, earlier in the podcast, which I think is extremely telling and also very accurate is um, the Browns not being as likable as we think they are because we love Baker Mayfield because he's our guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we love OBJ because he's our guy, mm-hmm. but from the outside looking in, if you're in Miami or Detroit or Los Angeles or any other market that has any other of the 31 markets that have a football team, they're probably looking at Baker Mayfield and be like, that kid is annoying. Yeah. He needs to keep his mouth shut. He needs to stop commenting on his teammates' paychecks. He needs to stop doing commercials. Like that is probably how he is viewed around the league. But we kind of have Baker colored glasses on. Like we've got the orange and brown glasses on and we love him so much because he's our guy. And I think that's, I almost want to say that they're, may not have been as much of an uproar because I'm sure there would have been people around the league being like, Oh, well, Baker Mayfield's kind of a punk. He deserved Mm -hmm. it. So like, that's kind of what I think would happen. Um, And it's, it's tough to think about Baker Mayfield not being beloved because he is so loved here in Cleveland, but he's, you know, People outside of of Cleveland don't view Baker Mayfield the same way. Oh yeah, they were they they love watching him fail and struggle. Like nationally, I'm talking about you know obviously not in Cleveland, but like there's all kinds of jokes. There's always memes about him. You know they love sharing the little video of him dancing while he's throwing interceptions. Like it, he's not a very likable person unless you're from Oklahoma or you know Ohio. That's pretty much it. I mean, even Kevin McAllister came exactly. After him. <laughs> When you have Home Alone coming after you, you're not a likable guy. And everyone laughed at him. And it was like, it was, it was embarrassing. It was funny, but like, you know, embarrassing. Uh, But yeah, like, I feel the same way you do. I feel like had this been Baker Mayfield instead of Mason Rudolph, the reaction wouldn't have been so, um, you know, we, this is the worst thing we've ever seen. There's no place for this on a football field. You know, the national media, I don't think they would have treated it exactly the same way. And, you know, I don't know if that's fair to say or not, but if you sort of look around the NFL and how Baker Mayfield is viewed nationally, I I think it's pretty accurate. I don't know. But yeah, I would have gone crazy. Yeah, so. well, there's... <laughs> I just like to state that for the record. <laughs> well, there is a lot of uh, negativity kind of surrounding the Browns and surrounding Cleveland at the moment. But uh, Brittany, I think you tried to bring some positivity in your life this week. I, I Am did. I correct? I did. I'm I'm in a very I'm in a merry mood now, and you know why? 
because right before we started recording, I put up my Christmas tree, which I know it's a little bit early, guys. I know that. Don't attack me for it, but it's beautiful. And it, 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 it brings the positivity back into the room. Um, so yeah, it's almost that time of year. And you know what that means. It's almost time for gift giving. The holidays are almost here. And what better gift to give the guy in your life than a stylish shirt that fits just right? Unlike most brands, Untucket shirts are actually designed to be worn untucked. Untucket shirts always fall at that right length, no matter his size, so it looks good, casual, and sharp. You can find your favorite Untucket style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle free button downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style on your own, Untuck It is the way to go. You can go to untuckit.com, use our code BLUE, that's B-L-U-E, for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com, promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E, for 20% off. Yay. Yay. All right, moving right along. We're going to talk a little, a little bit more Browns, just but we're off the whole Miles Garrett thing. Yes, we're we good now. We, we need to move on. Hopefully, hopefully yes. this. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about what happens in his suspension appeal on Wednesday in in the next pod. But for now, there are other things to mm-hmm. talk about. Um, yeah, there is. Yeah, I saw a graphic on Good Morning Football on Monday where they had the leaders in the AFC, the wild cards in the AFC, and then they had the in the hunt graphics. And the Browns <laughs> were on there in the hunt graphics for the playoffs in the AFC. And, in the hunt. and I looked up at that and I was like, I've had three cups of coffee today and I still haven't had enough coffee. For this. <laughs> With four wins, we are officially in the hunt, guys. Under 500, and we're four and six. And we're in the playoffs. Four and six. Oh my God. Four and six, and we have a 20% chance to make the playoffs. We have the second easiest schedule of all schedules remaining, which I know we're not supposed to say, but I'm saying it anyway. Um, so what do you, are, are we going to make playoffs? What are the chances? Like, how? How are we going to do this? I, how are we going to pull this off? I mean, the Browns could win out. And what is that? That puts the team at 10 and six, which is definitely that is more in the hunt than four and six is. But to me, it just Mm -hmm. feels like trying to create false hope. And also, also, I almost feel like it's a little bit of not wanting to admit that you were wrong because everybody going into the season was saying Super Bowl, Super Browns, they're going to make the, at the very least, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to have, you know, a, 13 win season they're gonna be great it's gonna be awesome and now all of a sudden we're looking at this team that's under 500 with less than half of the season to go and so that's how it almost feels like i'm sure the 20 like i know the 20 percent is accurate um you know they they do the math and i don't i usually don't argue numbers but i almost feel like it is a little bit of well browns aren't gonna make the playoffs but let's put them on our in the hunt graphic just because we don't want to admit that we got swept up at the hype with everybody else back in august no, I'm I'm fully with you. I just I I don't I don't see this team making the playoffs, and it's not. And I'm trying not to be negative because I know we're not a negative podcast, but 
the playoff picture seems very, very bleak at this point, and I don't want to get false hope. I just want to finish the season looking strong, and I don't want to see, you know, dumb penalties, Mm -hmm. um, you know, illegal shift penalties, that kind of thing. No more fighting, no more bad reputation, no more anyone being accused of dirty play. Like, I just want to move past that, and I just want to see the Browns play good clean football for the rest of the year and if they do that then i think that we can call this season a part like somewhat of a success there there's been a lot of dark clouds over this team this season but i think good clean football for the rest of the season is the best way that we can end the season i'm i'm on board with you but also i think we're gonna win out I love it. I love it. <laughs> I respect your decisions here, but you know what? That's it's not really my style. I'm saying go big or go home. I really think that it's gonna it's an uphill battle, of course. Like there's no way around that. Um, even with an easy schedule, you know, we have a lot going on. There's a lot of madness happening with the Cleveland Browns lately, and um, I don't know how it's all gonna shake out. But you know, because of the schedule, other than the Ravens, which who I'm very scared of because Watch them on Sunday, and oh my gosh, did they look good? Like, wow. Yeah, they are. That I mean, I want to say that Lamar Jackson looks like what RG three kind of looked like in his first season with the Redskins. The, the way he runs, man. Oh but my he's, gosh. But he's likable, so it's like a likable yes. RG three. Yes. He is. That's my yeah. little baby. <laughs> Yeah, so that's what like that's what Lamar Jackson kind of reminds me of is is a likable RG three yes. circa his first season with the Redskins, and then we'll just ignore the rest that's of his it. career after that, including when he was in Cleveland. Yeah, I'm worried about the Ravens game, obviously. Um, but other than that, I'm not scared of anything, and I'm, <laughs> I can't wait to eat these words later on, as I'm sure I will. But you know, for right now, we have the tanking Dolphins this weekend, and honestly, yes, I, no matter what happens, if the Browns lose. To the Dolphins on Sunday, to me, that might be the most embarrassing thing. <laughs> Second most embarrassing thing. One hundred thousand percent. If God. they, you know, if if they lose the Dolphins, I don't even know that I could watch another game. I say that I will. Yeah, I know. I'm going to, <laughs> but like, I don't know that I want to. <laughs> You're going to. So, yeah. So, speaking of the NFL, I saw a crazy stat today, and because this is an all female podcast, I thought that this was very applicable to us. Um, said top five shows of the last week among women, 18 to 49. So that's us, baby. Yep. Number one, CBS, NFL National. So that was the 425 game. Number two, Sunday Night Football. Three, Monday Night Football. Four, Fox NFL single, 1 p.m. game. Uh, and five, Thursday Night Football, which was us. And I think that's a little bit low, but whatever. <laughs> whatever, haters. Um, but no, I saw it. This is great. This is wonderful. Yeah. Women are watching this. Yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. How about that? <laughs> women have, I, I think women have always been watching this. I think this is, might just be the first time that people are actually taking notice of it. But I mean, I've been watching football since high school. I don't know when you fell in love with the game, but it's just like one of those things where I know so many women in my life who love love the NFL, that love football and just love sports mm-hmm. in general. And you know, it's one of these things that like, hopefully one day, like the, it'll start to be respected that the fact that it's, you know, sports are for everyone, you know, it's, they mm-hmm. should be all inclusive. They should be for everyone. And one of the things that I brought up in our pre-show meeting was 
the one of the things that makes me so angry when the NFL and other sports try to market towards women, they do it by uh, giving <laughs> us pink jerseys. And you know what? I don't quote Freddie Kitchens often, but if you don't wear orange and brown, that's like, it. That's the thing. If you're a, if you are a Browns fan, you should be wearing orange and brown. The only exceptions that I w- would find acceptable in terms of non-team colors are neutral colors. So if you had like a black, white, or gray, say you had like a, you know, like John Dorsey sweatshirt, like the gray sweatshirt that says Cleveland Browns in orange. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't find that. I think I saw you wearing like a a black OBJ sweatshirt recently. Yeah, like to me, the those neutral colors are totally fine. But if you're not wearing uh, like a white, gray, black, maybe even cream, something like that, you need to be wearing orange or brown. And it drives me crazy that the NFL thinks that the way to include women in the sport is to give us pink jerseys. Right. Like of all the oh, things, they're, all, they're ugly too. Of, and pink is my favorite color and I hate the pink jerseys. They are terrible. Although I haven't seen any in a while. So maybe they're starting to get the memo. But I like for a long time, that was like their solution to bridging the gap or whatever they were they were doing with that move. Um, instead of just doing like normal things, you know, like if there's a, a good and bad way to do things, the NFL always seems to find the bad way to do this. So <laughs> instead of like doing the pink jerseys, why don't you, you know, take some of these issues seriously? Um, I put on today the Dolphins, Mark Walton being charged with aggravated battery of a woman pregnant with his baby, pushed her into a wall and punched her several times in the face and head. Um, if this is not a lifetime ban from the NFL, I, I don't, I wouldn't even know what to say if they don't keep him. Like, come on! And these, it shouldn't even be a conversation that we have to have in 2019. This should just be automatic. When you do stuff like this, when you abuse a woman in any way, you should be out of the NFL. No exceptions, no excuses. That's it. I mean, and quite frankly, he should be in jail. And that's one of the things yes. that I get so frustrated by is. Uh, you know, people who commit criminal acts and somehow it's okay, well, no, we're going to let the NFL decide, okay, four game suspension, (laughs) you know, like, no, like when you, like when you're breaking, I like, I I don't think that anyone should be above the law. So if you are an NFL player and you're, you know, one of the best in the league, congratulations. But if you commit assault and battery, you mm-hmm. should go to jail. And that's one of the things that I just can never seem to wrap my head around is why are you letting, like, if I went out and just like beat up somebody randomly on the street, you know, the law is not going to say, okay, well, we're going to let Meredith's employer handle her. No, they're going to say, okay, you beat somebody up on the street. We're going to put you in jail. Yeah. hundred percent like this. <laughs> and I, I seriously, I sincerely hope that they're starting to learn their lesson and they'll take things like this seriously because this is the way that you build a good relationship with women. This is exactly how you do it. And you've missed so many times in the past. You can't afford to keep doing it. So please, NFL, make it right. Don't let this guy back in the league. Yeah. I mean, if Miles Garrett is going to get an indefinite suspension, this guy yeah. should also get an indefinite suspension without the ability to appeal. 100%. All right. So on a lighter note, we're gonna get through yeah, this. Yeah, so let's move on. Tell quick. me about yeah. Tell me about your uh, <laughs> let me tell me about your fantasy football story because you haven't you haven't told me the fantasy football story or the Jimmy Butler dream. So I'm so 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 stoked yes, yes, to hear yes. these. Okay, so I was sitting. I was up in like the Cleveland area on Sunday. Hey. 
Um, and you know, the Browns were off. So me and my buddy were like, okay, we're just going to go to a bar and have a Sunday fun day and go watch all the games. I wanted to watch the Ravens game because I want to see Lamar Jackson. They wanted to, you know, have all the TVs on so they could just keep checking the fantasy scores and I'm watching them. And it's like every, you know, 30 seconds, minute, whatever they're on their phones looking at their, I'm like, how do people do this? Like for fun? Is it, how is this fun for anyone? And, you know, I'm, I was telling them, I said, I could never play fantasy football because, you know, number one, it's stressful. It doesn't, I was watching these two. It didn't look like they were having a bit of fun. Like the whole time they just, you know, just kept throwing beers back, feverishly looking through their phones, scrolling, wondering how this guy's, and I'm just like, oh my God. And then my buddy had Jameis Winston as his quarterback, oh which I'm still, oh, RIP. I am still laughing at because he kept telling me, he's like, oh no, Britt, it's fine. Like, I was like, well, no, they're like they're getting killed right now. He said, don't worry. Jameis Winston in the second half of games, he'll come through, he'll throw like for 500 yards and he'll have like five interceptions, but he gets me points. Just, just hold still. You're going to see what you're going to watch Jameis Winston work. Meredith, did you believe oh that he did? And I saw this stat today oh and it God. made me laugh. It said, Jameis Winston has 13 interceptions over the last five games. The last time a quarterback had 13 plus interceptions in a five game span was also Jameis Winston in 2017. <laughs> I died. So, other than Ben Roethlisberger, that's my least favorite player in the league, I think. So, to me, watching this and laughing at him, that was fun for me. Uh, well, the crazy thing about uh, fantasy, and like I said, I've done fantasy in the past. I haven't done it this year. And one of the things that kind of drives me crazy about it a little bit is once your lineup is set, it's done. So, you know, you can check your phone over and over and over again to see what your points are, but there's nothing you can do about it. And that's the one thing that I didn't like about fantasy mm-hmm. football is that you feel helpless. Like you're staring, like you're staring at your phone, you're staring right. at your matchups and you're thinking, okay, like I did good this week. And then you find out that someone on your bench put up like 30 fantasy points and you're like, God, no. And so like, that's what I'm like. So that was like, to me, that was the stressful <laughs> part about fantasy football is you set your lineup and you do the best you can. And like, you do all the research, you look at the mashups or excuse me, the matchups, not the mashups. And you're like, okay, well, I feel confident in this. And then all of a sudden, you know, your bench is doing great. And the guys that you're starting are sucking and you're sitting there just looking at your phone and there's nothing you can do about it except watch your opponent rack up the points. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is no fun in that. Like I was sitting there, I was having time in my life. Cause I'm just watching, you know, I'm watching Lamar Jackson run around the field and I'm like, yeah. Although I shouldn't say that because I know I'm not cheering for the Ravens. I was just cheering for him, guys. Don't don't tag me for this. But you know, to me that was fun. And I said that's another reason why I would have such a problem uh, being in a fantasy league because I would only want to draft players that are like easy to cheer for. So players that I like, and historically the players that I like aren't good. <laughs> so I'm Deshaun like, Kaiser. Okay, I can't. You, you, I would you I would be drafted worst. Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> worst. I would, I, would, I would have started Deshaun Kaiser 16 I mean, games. After, That's uh, it. after Philip Rivers' uh, <laughs> performance in Monday Night Football, I've been going around Oof. just screaming Tyrod time because all I want to see is Tyrod Taylor starting I mean, in the NFL Why not? Again. I, I love Tyrod. Uh, why not? Like, I don't know if people realize this. So I went to Virginia Tech at that's my alma mater. And I, I was there at the same time as Tyrod and I didn't like have any class. I think I was a year ahead of him. 
at, at VT and he was beloved at Virginia Tech and Hokies across the world still love him, even though he's been sitting on the bench since last year or even since before last year. Mm-hmm. But I just all I want is for Tyrod to be as successful in the NFL as he was in college and to be as beloved by people in the NFL as he was in college. So that's like what I mean, if you're going to like draft players that you like, I would draft Tyrod Taylor. And since he has not started a game since, oh, God, since the which game did he sit out? Was it even I can't remember. It was like game four or something. It was oh, there's a Thursday night game against the Jets last year. That's when. They pulled him and put Baker Mayfield in. But yeah, he hasn't started a game since then. And I would still draft him because I love him. There you go. So so we're not allowed to play fantasy football because yeah. we would be absolutely disastrous at it. I mean, um. I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> smarter than that. I've, I've been successful in fantasy before. But yeah, when you're talking about drafting likable players, that would yeah. like that would be the one that I completely screwed up is drafting Tyrod Taylor just because I'm so biased and just so in love with him as a person. He is your Deshaun Kaiser. I understand it. I get it. At least Lamar's good right now. So that I have that going for me. I mean, Tyrus had a little bit more success than Deshaun Kaiser. I like to think, okay, I, that was, that was a low blow. How I'm dare sorry. you? How I'm dare so you? Sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. All right. All right. All right. So one, we got to hit on two more things here and I'm going to make this okay. real quick. It's just a quick NBA talk guys. I'm talking to you Cavs fans. Cause I'm a little mad at you right now. Okay. Uh oh. Brittany's gonna sound off. Just, Prepare yourself. Just a little bit because I I remember these Cavs fans from you know when the Cavs were good, when LeBron was here, and we'd hit a rough patch, right? And it would usually happen in maybe like January, February, where things would just they wouldn't be as good as they could be. And then, you know, fans would go berserk and say, Oh, we're gonna miss the playoffs. We're you know, we stink, send LeBron away. Like that's, that was the reaction. This was a common thing that went on and they're back, Meredith. They're back and oh, I'm having no. it. I'm not doing it. They're, they've they they've hit a, a rough stretch, which, excuse me, we all knew that we would. Like this, this is not like new information. You have all these new players, new pieces, new coach, new everything. We're still, it's such a, a, a fresh rebuild. And then you have these people that are like, you know, for the first, you know, what, like six games or so when the Cavs were looking like they might surprise people and we're all like, shock the world. Let's go Cavs. We, at one point they had the same record yes, as the Browns. Yes, we had, we won more games at home than the Browns did. Like we were like, whoa, what are we doing here? Well, you know, of course, as they were going to, things have not been going great lately. So now... Everyone wants to tank the rest of the year. Everyone wants to trade away, you know, all the vets, which I just, I'd like to state publicly that I'd be totally fine if they eventually traded Jordan Clarkson and Della Vidova. If you want to send those two off, I'm good with it. But you start talking about trading Tristan Thompson, trading Kevin Love, that's where you lose me completely. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to go down that road. We're not there yet. You know, you still have what Beeline's trying to do, which is like get back to basics. Um, and once you start like selling off pieces, you, you start sending away these vets, you're killing any kind of like good culture that you have right now. Don't do that. We're not there yet. Tanking, I'm not for anymore. I know I was very, you know, tank last year. This season, I'm not. I just want to see growth and rebuilding and development. That's what I'm on board for. So, 
you know, all these people that are like, oh, now it's time to tank. Stop it. I'm not with you. You're going to be the uh, rallying leader of Cavs fans. I think that's, uh, oh, I think that's I'm what, in. I think that's what you have to do. You just have to like take charge, take the lead and say Cavs fans either fall in line behind me or yes. get out and go cheer for the tanking Golden State Warriors. That's it. <laughs> they are a disaster, and I love it so much. Oh, <laughs> I uh, I haven't really seen much of them. Like I've I've seen a little bit of Cavs this year. I haven't watched as much Cavs. I'll definitely be watching them much closer once football ends. Um, mm-hmm. But I now I almost feel like I need to tune into some Golden State games just to see the dumpster fire. You have to. It's fun. It's fun for everyone except them. Well, everyone's hurt on their team, and you know Steph Curry's out for the season, and. Are you ready? Are you ready for my Jimmy Butler story? Oh my God. I have been waiting. I have been <laughs> okay, waiting so first for this of all, entire you, podcast. I have like, <laughs> I think I built it up too much. Now everyone's going to be mad at me. So, so this weekend, I said I was in Cleveland and I, I just make it super dramatic. Yeah. I, oh, please. I can be super dramatic. So, I, you know, there are certain players that I just love. I love so much. And Jimmy Butler is one of them. He always has been. Um, and I, I was staying in Cleveland, you know, over the weekend and I, I woke up and I was very angry and like my heart was aching and it was because I, I had a dream that Jimmy Butler shaved his head. (laughs) (laughs) Meredith, I almost had tears in my eyes because all I kept thinking about was, you know, that gif where he's like looking down and, you know, he's being all like weird and mysterious and stuff. And he has that face. I was, yeah. like, oh God, yeah. In my dream, like he was doing, he had no hair and it just it looked so weird. So I woke up like, I, in like almost a cold sweat. And I'm like, oh my God, Jimmy Butler. And it, it was at that exact moment that I was like, you know what? I either need a life or a boyfriend or something to, to keep me away from myself <laughs> because I just, I go off the rails with this stuff, man. And I, I realize oh, it now. Goodness. So that, that was my Jimmy Butler story. That might be, <laughs> we might have to do a hashtag therapy for That's Brittany it. or something. We need it. <laughs> I can't, I don't know if there's, if I've ever had like a dream about a famous person and then legitimately gotten mad at them over it. Like, I mean, I've definitely had (laughs) dreams about famous people for sure. We're not going to go into said dreams about famous people. (laughs) They've happened, but I wish, I wish I had dreams like that and not like them (laughs) shaving their hair. Oh my God. And this is like completely off topic, but um, when Veronica Mars came to Hulu, uh, I binged that show so badly. And one of my best friends from back home was binging it too. And we were constantly texting each other about it. And I definitely had dreams about um, this character named Logan from that show. I don't know if you've seen it, but. Um. I've never seen Veronica Mars. <laughs> I haven't. Um, it's a good show. But yeah, Cleveland sports and TV recommendations. <laughs> so. There we go. But um, no, we got you covered. Uh, yeah, but none of the dreams that I had about said fictitious character ever made me mad about him. So, well, good. That's because you have a life and you're not a pathetic loser. I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I might. Like, I, I might need to. Uh, I might need to look into this boyfriend slash life thing as well. <laughs> 
I mean, one day, one day, right? We'll get around. We'll get around to it. We're no rush. We're only like fifty, so yeah, it's fine. exactly. Uh, currently, <laughs> currently, the hunting. Maybe one day we'll be the hunted. It just came circle. Full circle. We gotta end on that note. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. We had a blast. Um, you know, keep liking, sharing, subscribing, rating, writing reviews, whatever you do. Uh, we love you and we'll see you next week.